Tito's and Shiner Gonna be an all-nighter And I just might find her At the Whataburger line Dance halls and women But man, I'm wishing That I was fishing by the river we had to admit uh when i said yeah sure we'll do zoom we didn't have a zoom account or <laughs> i've never done <laughs> i've never done zoom before so we were well like, it um it just- the, the the free accounts will typically limit you to i think a 45 minute meetings like that so just keep that in mind when you're recording uh so yeah. Oh, I already uh, account, so we're good. Yeah. For okay. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Well, and and the main reason I say that is because our company uh, gave everybody uh, you know Zoom accounts, and there were a shitload of people who went and I mean they'd be on like important business calls, and it would get you know fucking shut down right at the beginning or or forty five minutes in, and so we had clients kind of making fun of us for having you know, <laughs> the cheap the cheap the cheap account. So anyway, um, but uh, cool. Yeah, happy to jump in wherever you're ready. Heck oh yeah, yeah. Uh, ready to go when you are. Uh, so, you're already making us look bad with your with your backdrop. I love that. For real, yeah. Where did that painting come from, dude? That looks so cool. Uh, it's a so there's an artist named um, excuse me, uh, Mark Mark Majori, I think is how you say his last name. Um, he's pretty popular on uh, Instagram and a few other places, but you know, uh, traditional uh, you know painter and um, paints a lot of really great. Uh, you know, uh, imagery from the American West and American Southwest and stuff. So I've got uh, four of his paintings, um, not like actual paintings, but like prints. And he does like, I think two big print releases a year. And uh, so it was pretty pumped about this one and uh, another uh, couple that I got uh, last year. That's okay. beautiful. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah so we'll, uh, yeah. we'll jump right in. We want to respect your time as well. Yeah. I know that you probably want more than a, more than five minutes at the end to get ready for <laughs> No meeting, not a silly podcast. So, yeah, dude. Without um, further ado, without further ado, welcome to the Texas podcast. Um, we'd be lying if we said it wasn't partially inspired by something you started, Texas humor. And so, that's really uh, the main reason we reached out a couple of times to have you on, and just wanted to dive into your journey and how you started Texas humor, why you started it. So, like, when did this idea of Texas humor really come about for you? Yeah, uh, you know, honestly, I, I think what's funny is is most people kind of think that there was some sort of grand idea, and in reality, I was just bored one day, and <laughs> I had been talking to a friend of mine who had founded a couple of other internet properties that were kind of similar in nature, and he kind of mentioned to me, you know, the way that people were making money on Twitter, uh, and this is back in mid 2011 uh right so twitter was by then had like become a little bit more of a uh you know well-known thing it wasn't quite the the sort of like early tech nerd kind of thing that it had been in the first couple of years uh but it it was just starting to become a thing that people were writing content specifically for mm-hmm. uh so you know up until that point really twitter had mostly just been a thing that people uh, were, were, you know, writing for themselves, right? Like, Hey, I'm having lunch at this place, or this is a sandwich I'm eating or, you know, that kind of thing. And yeah, it was, and which, you know, was entertaining if you cared about that, but whatever, you know? And so, uh, around 2010, 2011, uh, there were these like kind of media properties that were popping up and, uh, you know, effectively what people were doing was just trying to come up with content that could fit into 140 characters. Right. So, you know, at that stage, there was like a Twitter account called like Breaking News and all they did was just post breaking news and they would share like a link to a website uh, that would then have the, the full story with some ads and stuff. So he kind of explained the business model to me and, and he was like, you know what, uh, you should do something like that. And, and um, you know, I was like, I, I bet you I could probably do something about Texas. Like, you know, at that point, um, you know, as a photographer, I was really well known as, as the kind of Texas guy. Yeah. And so I had a lot of content, but, you know, honestly, like what, what it's grown into now is, is honest, is like not at all like what it started out with. Uh, most of the early stuff that I tweeted out, uh, were super, super hokey kind of like, uh, turn of the century kind of, of humor, like don't squat with your spurs on and stuff that's, yeah. you know, it's like, 
the average person would like get a chuckle out of, but it's not like 95% of the country or the state has really ever even worn spurs. Yeah. Uh, so, um, so I, you know, I, I kind of toyed with that early on and, and didn't really get much traction. And then I made like a comment about Selena or something that I just resonated with me yeah. and it, it kind of went like viral for what viral was back then and, uh, and took off. And so, you know, I, I, I think in, in most people's minds, there was some sort of like grandiose idea and big plan for how this whole thing was going to play out. And in reality, it was just me kind of screwing around and, um, and what's that? And you were how old at the time? Uh, so this is 2011. So, uh, I was I, about 27. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, so, yeah, so I was about 27. Yeah, big plans for all the things that they started. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and, and so it, it really, uh, you know, like from a more, uh, mercenary kind of perspective, uh, or, pra- you know, practical perspective, it, but once it did get going and, and, you know, it's not like I started the account with no intentions, but yeah. I, I certainly, you know, didn't really have some sort of brand book or brand voice in my mind that I knew it was going to be that would make it successful. Um, more importantly, the, the real goal was to just kind of stabilize my income for, straight up. Like, yeah, I, I was a commercial photographer at the time. Uh, I was making really great money, but it was a super cyclical business where you'd kind of make the majority of your money in a span of about three to four months out of the year, you know? Yeah. And so, uh, so it was, it was it was great. Um, but it was just a way to kind of fill my time, you know? So, um, yeah, but here we are years later, uh, literally, uh, yeah, like, uh, December of this past year was 10 years that, uh, I started the, the Twitter account, which is kind of wild to think about. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I want to jump forward in a minute, but I, you, you mentioned the, for photography, you were known as the Texas guy. Was that, mm-hmm. that intentional or was that sort of also just something that, no. Like- no, no, yes and no. I mean, you know, like I, I've always enjoyed uh, just getting in the truck and driving. Like I, I just kind of like to explore. And um, that, that was the thing I just enjoyed doing. When I was driving back and forth between here and Austin in, in my uh, hometown of LaPorte, uh, you know, I would sometimes just take the long route just for the hell of it. Uh, so that, that was kind of already there. There was a project that I did in 2000 six, seven, I think, mm-hmm. uh, maybe 2007, eight, something like that. Uh, so there was a book that a woman named I'm a hog. So uh, most people have kind of heard the, the joke about I'm a hog. If you're her sister, you're a hog. There's never a you're a hog. There was just one woman named I'm a hog. Her, her father <laughs> was uh, the governor of Texas and they were massively wealthy, I think from oil, uh, you know, and stuff. And so long story short, she kind of, was a total socialite, never married, um, very big kind of character and personality in Houston. Yeah. And, uh, and she, she decided that she wanted to get into furniture collection or collecting, uh, and more specifically furniture collecting for, uh, pieces that were built between like 1850 and 1875. So, you know, people that had moved to Texas kind of just as soon as Texas was Texas. Yeah. And um, she had this really great uh, museum out in Windale, which is, you know, kind of between Austin and Houston. Um, and she, there, there were these like turn of the century homes that she had moved there. And she wanted to put uh, all of this stuff uh, from kind of like the, basically time period pieces into this home. Yeah. So fa- fast forward, uh, she, she does all of this. And then she commissions a book that becomes like the Bible on antique Texas furniture, right? Which is just kind of a weird thing. Yeah, super um, but <laughs> very, very left field, kind of like, what, what, is, what are you even talking about? Kind of stuff. But what's wild is because of her kind of status as Miss, you know, Miss Hogg and uh, super wealthy Houstonian, having all these parties, et cetera. Um, she was kind of a tastemaker. And so when she did this, it created this huge desire for really expensive pieces like that. Yeah. And, you know, so people just turn this state upside down looking for older pieces of furniture. And so in 1974, she commissioned a book uh, called uh, Antique Texas Furniture um, or Texas Furniture Makers and something, 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 something. And it had 150 photos in it of, random pieces of furniture and stuff yeah just kind of i mean it it, like these it it ranged from like a simple dinner table to a really elaborate ornate 
you know, countertop, whatever, you know, like it was all over the place. So I promise there's a, there's a takeaway in this. So, <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so anyway, she passed away like the year that it came out. I think she, she, uh, was trying to get in a taxi taxi kind of took off before she could get in it and she fell and she passed away shortly thereafter in 1974. And, uh, but so the, the, the two, uh, authors who she had hired historians, uh, to, uh, you know, pen this book became these like internationally known, you know, experts on antique Texas furniture. So David Warren and Lon Taylor, uh, you know, these guys became these like gentlemen, uh, Lon Taylor actually was famous for, uh, eventually he was on the team of people who restored like one of the original American flags that's in the Smithsonian. So these guys are, I mean, they, they were really well known. Lon Taylor just passed away, I think, a year or two ago. But anyway, they called me up in 2007 and they were like, hey, we're doing a new version of this book. And I was like, okay, cool story. You know, I look at it, I was like, I, I shoot people. Like, I don't shoot furniture, you know. And they were like, well, you know, it's it's a great project. It's going to last like a year, which, you know, to hear a project's going to last that long is really exciting as a freelancer. Um, and they were like, we part of the reason we want to work with you is because uh, we would love to not have to move the furniture to photograph it because a lot of this stuff is in people's homes. Like yeah. we have like 300 more pieces that we've found all over Texas and we need someone to photograph them. And, and now with digital, like you don't have to, to do that. You don't have to move it. 30, 40 years ago, we were literally picking up this gigantic wardrobe, taking it out into the front lawn, putting it on a seamless paper and photographing the film and then cutting it out afterwards, right? So they were like, it would just be beautiful. You just do it in there, you know? So, so long, long story short, I spent the next two years driving to every nook and cranny of the state. I've probably been to more towns and cities in Texas than most people have been just worldwide. Yeah. Uh, and, and so that's really where the love, like the love was always there, mm -hmm. but the stories that I heard and the people that I met and um, more specifically, like the homes that I got to go into yeah. were just incredible. I mean, I went to a home in Bolverde, Texas, north of San Antonio. Photographed a, Let's go. Yeah. So like I, I went up there and uh, I, I get to this uh, log cabin in the middle of nowhere. And uh, it was two, it looked like two log, log cabins. And I, I was talking to a woman, I was asking her, she had all this stuff everywhere, like all this great antiquing. And I was like, oh, what's the story of this house? She's like, oh, it's, it's wild. Um, so this guy, you know, his wife passes away back in 18... 30 something and he had two children and the woman in on the next plot of land over her husband passed away and she had children and so they were like f it let's put our houses together get married raise our children together and boom a new family is created but the kicker is that there was this huge hole in the wall of this log <laughs> cabin that had this like black kind of concrete stuff filling it in i was like why is there this like random window you know, there that looks like it looks into the next room. And she's like, well, that used to be the exterior face of the house. And that window was cut by, you know, my great, great, great grandfather, whatever. Uh, and he was a union sympathizer. And so he was shooting Confederate soldiers out of the window. Of this house. Oh and so he cut this like slit in yeah, the window. Yeah. And, you know, so anyway, it's, that was the kind of stuff that like I, I got kind of exposed to. And so, um, I just really, you know, kind of picked up all these stories and, and while I was there photographing furniture, oftentimes I'd photograph people yeah. and, and then, I'd, you know, and then, so slowly it just kind of turned in and, you know, but I mean, that, that's kind of the gist of it really is like this one project, uh, really solidified it and created a ton of just like sort of secondary work that I, I created off of that. Yeah. And then suddenly people are like, man, who's this guy? He's traveling all over the place. Like everybody in Texas shoots Texas, but yeah. Uh, I was I was just really focused on the t the storytelling piece of it, and, and yeah. so that, that's really where it came from. Awesome. Yeah, have you always had a knack for the storytelling piece? Because you're you're calling up dates, and you obviously have a great love for story. Is that something that you've had your whole life? Yeah, you know, I, I uh, my dad is really where the date stuff comes, and he's amazing. I mean, he you know, uh, growing up in Houston, there was a radio station I think it was KTRH. Uh, that he on his drive to work every day would call into because they would do this thing where they'd be like, uh, you know, someone, you know, LBJ is the president. This <laughs> song is the number one song on the radio and such and such team won the national championship. And, and you have to guess the year. My dad won like 
15 times. No, no oh joke. Like, wow. um, and he, I mean, he would just randomly and literally he would win every time if he could get through, but yeah. he just, he had a knack for that. So he's where I got, I kind of picked up the, uh, I don't know, affinity for chrono, you know, chronological sort of placement of things. Um, but you know, I, I just, I think people, places and things are genuinely interesting. Uh, to me, it's, it, uh, there's always something interesting in every story if you're kind of listening well enough. And so, uh, despite being a person who talks a lot, I, I really subscribe to the idea of, you know, that we, uh, we have two ears and one mouth. So, you know, if you open your ears and kind of really lean into that ratio, uh, you're going to pick on, up on some pretty cool stuff. Cause you know, um, I mean, shoot, last night I was, one, I was with a buddy of mine and he went to Harvard business school and he was talking on and on about how like this guy that lived behind him, in um in chicago where he grew up would talk to him about the grass every day in his yard and he was like hey, you know for years this guy was telling me stories about seeds in his backyard and i just was like whatever you know and he's like eventually my parents told me that you know he actually went to harvard business school and he did all this kind of stuff you know and so if you just turn over a rock right like if you, if you think about rock people as rocks you like if you're willing to pick them up and turn them over, it's like, there's some crazy stuff that comes out, you know, if you just give it, give it enough time to kind of like gestate the, the conversation and stuff, you know? So I just, I, I love that. That part of it is really it, you know? Um, and uh, it's better to tell somebody else's story than it is to tell your own, in my opinion. So yeah, try to as much as I can. Thanks for hopping on with yeah. us and talk a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious because we have a segment on our show called small town of the week. So we we're from a small town. Mm-hmm. We have yeah. a big affinity for this. Where, or did y'all grow up in Bulverde or where'd you go? Uh, no, so we grew up in Andrews, Texas, out in the. Oh, I know Andrews. Yeah. Do you know Clary Rondon? Uh, Hannah yeah. Tanner Rondon's, yeah, Tanner Rondon's uh, sister. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. That's so. Uh, Rondon, her yeah. sister. <laughs> yeah. 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 So. Uh, yeah. So. Um, I, uh, Clary Rondon, uh, now Clary Montgomery, uh, is a good friend of mine from college. Um, I've also landed in Andrews uh, once before. So. I uh, know that town, town well, yeah. Yeah, one time Pat Green landed in Andrews and the whole town flocked to the be like, airport. Because like, An- Andrews has the uh, golf course right by the, the yeah, airport, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. And they have a tiny private airstrip. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. we really yeah. have a really historic golf program yes. in our little mm-hmm. town, so. Yeah, yeah. Chad yeah, Chad Campbell, pro golfer. Nice. <laughs> um, but what is like a small town that has a special place in your heart from all of these travels you've done? Um, I would say, uh, probably Sanderson, Texas. And it, it wasn't related to that, that book. Yeah. Um, but the first time that I ever went to West Texas, uh, was to photograph a guy who dressed up as, as cowboy Santa Claus. Okay. So, um, as it, everybody called him Buffalo Chuck. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember what his real name was, uh, Charlie Cudd. Um, so Charlie Cudd, uh, lived here in Austin and would dress up as cowboy Santa Claus down at green hall every year. And I got hired by Austin monthly to photograph him. And so I call him up and I was like, Hey man, I, I, you know, name's JB here to photograph you, whatever. I've I've got to get this shot in the next like three weeks. He's like, uh, well, I'm, I'm literally about to leave town. So, I mean, you can get me in three weeks, but it'll be tight, you know, but otherwise you can come meet me in Trilingua. And I was like, where the hell is that? Yeah. And so, so he's like, Oh, it's way, way out in West Texas. There's a chili cook off there every year. And um, I go to the smaller one, the behind the store one. And, you know, I'd, it'd be great to just go out there and do it, you know? And so I, I called Austin monthly up and I was like, Hey, what's, what's my budget on this? And they're like, uh, $200. Uh, <laughs> a good, good friend, Robin Finley, he, she was art director there at the time. And she was like, yeah, it's 200 bucks, which is what I, that's what I got paid for all these portraits that uh, I did for them. And so it wasn't a ton of money, but it was like, whatever back then uh $200 at least pay the gas and so I was like yeah you know what I'm gonna go so I um you know a week later I pack up my stuff I hop in my truck and I drive out there and I decide to take kind of the long road to you know the the uh to the city or to 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 Orlingua and um so I, I think I, I can't remember what fort it is I think it's Fort McCabin I, I, I drove past like the Fort McCabin historical site um, that's out there off I-10. And then I took kind of this long winding road to Sanderson. And I just remember really vividly driving in to Sanderson and 
hitting this kind of like dead end and, you know, to the right, I can make my way towards big Ben, and to the left, I can go into Sanderson. So I double back and, you know, I, I drove into that city. It was like early morning. Sun was just coming up and something about being way out there in West Texas, yeah. uh, in a, in a place that there's just not a lot going on, not in a negative way. It's just, it's literally that small of a city. I mean, in another um, way, West Texas runs on island time. Just oh no, it's total island time. Yeah, it's total total island time. And and you know, so I, I roll up to a little restaurant there, a little like cantina type uh, taqueria, and um, screen door. You know, you walk in, the kitchen's right there. Yeah, uh, I get a couple breakfast tacos, some refried beans, and and like eat them there with a cold Dr Pepper. And I, I don't know that I, I, there's really, there, there's actually like nothing more to the story than that. But um, it was just the first time that I felt like I had transported myself to a place that was completely foreign to me because I'd not spent any time out there growing up. Um, and then I kind of pierced the bubble and like got out of my car. Right. Yeah. And like, I walked the city for a minute, took a few photos and, you know, things like that. And, and, uh, and it was the beginning of, of really what became now, I think, uh, uh, a, a lifelong love for that part of the state in particular. Um, and, and it was really the, the sort of gateway to my experience with Trilingua and, and that part of the state, which I'm, I'm spent a lot of time there now. So, it's yeah. Magic, you know, I was out there. That's great. Like last, last week. Yeah. yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. ours owns uh, the French grocer out there. And yeah, it's like a little, you know, boutique little grocery, grocery store. He's also renovating the studio out yeah. from Trilingua. So, so mm-hmm. Just a lot of fun, um, but yeah, to your point, it's it's such an oddly magical place, and Texas mm-hmm. is full of those. And yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. In fact, uh, Lon Taylor, one of those historians I was talking about earlier, actually lived in Fort uh, Fort Davis, and so he oh, yeah. kind of just once he retired uh, went out there. But I, I always tell people that, like, um, you know, I don't remember who it was that told me this, but you know, like, if you live in Trilingua, you're out there because you're crazy or you're hiding. Right. Okay. And, 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 and hiding isn't necessarily nefarious. It's, it's, yeah, you know, you're hiding from the lifestyle of the yeah. Eastern part of the state. You're hiding from somebody, police, yeah. whatever, but, but there's, there's a, yeah. And, and, and there's a, there's a quality of people that are willing to take that drive and make the effort to go out there uh, that I think is, is super unique. Um, it's a super specific type of person. And so I, I see that drive between this part of the state and out there as a great filtration system uh, for the type of people that I want to end up with by the time I get out there, you know? So, um, so yeah, I, I love that, that, that part of the country. I think it's incredible. As someone who loves it, what is it like? And I ask people who have really spent time out there, I always ask them this, yeah. what's it like to see West Texas grow and change a little bit? Because even mm-hmm. Even when you first went out there, you could still get your oil changed in Marfa, but now the oil change place is a cute antique bar kind of place. Like, what's it like for you to see it grow in popularity? Look, I, I love Marfa, but I don't go to Marfa. Like, <laughs> you know, I, I think I think Marfa is fantastic, um, and I think you know uh, the art scene there is incredible. Um, you know. El Cosmico is amazing, as is the Riata, or I'm sorry, the, the Paisano. Um, and, and so, you know, in, in, in large part, really, my, my affinity for that part of the state came from the first night that I camped out there in the yeah. end and, and the, the type of people that go out there, you know. So, I, look, if I, if I want to hang out with Austin people, I can hang out with them here. I don't have to drive, you know, <laughs> 10 hours. And, yeah. and, and, and I say that mostly, like, honestly, kind of as a joke, because, uh, you know, I, I used to, a good friend of mine, uh, Eugene Sepulveda and his husband, they would rent out the Paisano yeah. and all of us would stay out there for New Year's and killer New Year's party. But it was just, we were driving eight hours all the way out there to go do this thing and, um, yeah. you know, whatever. So in reality, when I go out there, I'm going to kind of also escape and hide. Yeah. And, um, but it is nice to have a little bit of stuff around now, you yeah. know, so, it, you know, it is kind of weird, like, Base camp Trilingua, as much as I want to stay there, is also kind of bizarre. Um, but, you know, I always liked that you had to kind of rough it to be in Trilingua. Um, you kind of have to hurt. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, I, I, I also like that more and more people are getting to have the same experiences that I've had. You know, so I, I don't, um, 
yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily see it as inherently bad. Um, so long as, as with anything, um, if you're going to enjoy something, just appreciate it. That's really my rule, you know, so revere it the way that the people who made it possible to enjoy it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And something we like to do is, uh, you know, is insofar as revering history and, you know, the people who built this thing is what we like to talk about, like unique events in Texas history. Do you have like a favorite, uh, like historical story or, you know, um, happening way back when? Yeah. So I, I've got a, um, I've got an, uh, he was like a great, great, great uncle, uh, who I found out. So, you know, one of the killer things about ancestry.com is that you know, <laughs> like, you can, you can make it your, your, uh, family, you know, tree you know, public and then people can connect the dots with you and whatever. So I had chased my tree down to a certain level and, you know, I was like, okay, I don't really know anything else and whatever. And there was someone, um, living in Portland that connected with me and was like, Hey, we're super distant relatives. And, um, I've got a story that I want to share with you. So she's like, here's my phone number. So I call this woman and, um, it was like 10 years ago. And, um, and she's just like, you have this uncle here. And, and this is in the Texas Almanac, uh, Almanac that you can like look up online. Um, uh, she's like the, the uncle lived on the border somewhere on the Rio Grande and he had a bunch of cattle. And that cattle would graze on her property and then, um, or on his property. And then um, occasionally he would let it graze in this little island that would sort of like reveal itself in the middle of the Rio Grande. Like it was shallow enough that the cattle could go there. Well, uh, you know, if you know anything about kind of the the Mexican revolution and the sort of turn of the century, early 1900s, uh, you know, Mexico, it was still an open wound that, you know, uh, we had fought the Mexican American war um, you know, the Treaty of Hidalgo, you know, the, the ink was still drying, right? So, like, the Texas border was very much a, a hot topic. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, and so this, this gentleman, um, you know, my, my relative, like, would let these cattle graze there. And the Mexican army um, came across and snatched a couple, um, you know, head of beeves and, and took them back and ate them. And so he goes over there to, he's got a bone to pick with them. Um, and they end up actually killing him. They, you know, I mean, they literally, they murder this guy and they bury him in a shallow grave. So it gets out and, and his family finds out and they holler, you know, to the, you know, the, the rangers basically or their sheriff or whatever. And, um, and because um, of some of the geopolitical stuff that was taking place at the time, the, the rangers didn't just go over there and like beat these guys up. Like they were like, that's a foreign country, right? So they call the governor. The governor says, well, we got to call the, the, the federal government. federal government is like screw off like we're not going over there over this like one you know dead mexican basically and um and and so the governor's pissed off so he sends the rangers over and the rangers go over there and you know there's no skirmish like no one gets shot but they like they kind of get into it a little bit with with the army uh and then they get you know the the relative's body and they bring it back and they bury him and everything um but it turned into a uh, exchange of words between the two governments as a result, because the, the Mexican government was like, Hey, a paramilitary group came into our country, you know? Uh, <laughs> and, and it was this back and forth, whatever. So I just, I, I like that story. Um, one, cause it's a relative and two, I think it, it, it's just, uh, it kind of highlights the the complexity of the story of like kind of yeah. our, our origin story. Um, and I'm, in fact, I'm, I'm reading a book right now about like the, the Texas border and, and Pancho Villa and all that stuff. And it's just wild how ambiguous that was. Like we think about it as such a defined thing this happened and it is it's so ambiguous Yeah, yeah. and, yeah. and arbitrary at that. I mean, yeah. it was like, that wasn't the border until it was, you know, yeah. and, yeah. and then it, and then it just was the border because there's yeah. a river there, you know, yeah, right. um, so it's just interesting to me how that stuff yeah, works. More on one side, man. Yeah. Wait, but I'm but on that. Hold on. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, no, it's crazy. So, um, so anyway, that that's probably my my favorite kind of you know uh, Texas historical moment. But um, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I would say that one. Um, uh, you know, I, I've heard a million other ones as I've been oh, yeah, on the road yeah, here, there, but, but that, that's that's a good one. Yeah. Oh, um, and uh, you guys. Yeah. Oh no, um, I was just gonna say like you know, your, your freelance life before 
all this craziness with Texas humor started is, is awesome. I love hearing about the man behind the memes. How has your life changed since that? I mean, it, it's huge now. It, it, it exploded. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, um, I mean, for one, uh, you know, Salceda Industries, which was the business that we started uh, to do the order fulfillment mm-hmm. for Texas Humor, um, grew a lot. And I mean, we had 120 people working for us. So Texas Humor is still a small business, you know, by itself. Uh, but the offshoot business, Salceda Industries, grew really big. Um, we just sold it actually in July of last year. So that hey, moment, congrats, man. you know, thank you. Yeah. And, and, and that moment in itself uh, was life changing. So you know, I, I look, I'm, I'm incredibly blessed to have had the number of opportunities, um, you know, that, that I've like seen yeah. and, and to have taken, right. Like, I, I think everybody has opportunities. Some people have a little bit more of a propensity to kind of get up off the couch when they show up. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, you know, all of us have seen in ourselves or remember ourselves being in some situation where, um, something comes up and it's like, well, you know, I'm, I'm okay. Like somebody else go, you know, that, that kind of thing mentally. Um, I'm just not wired that way. Like I, I, if somebody calls me, he's like, Hey, do you want to go to this thing? Like I, I typically am like, yeah, I'd love to go to that thing, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, and I think, um, you know, for, for a lot of really great reasons, not everyone can, right. And, you know, my parents are, are incredible human beings who, uh, blessed us with, a predictable, you know, uh, home life, uh, predictable income, uh, predictable rules, like all, all of the things that, that you really want as a child to then flourish as an adult. Yeah. And they didn't necessarily have the same type of flexibility to just get in a car and drive somewhere that I, I did at my age. Um, and all of it is a result of what they did, you know? So, so it's not lost on me that, um, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of that flexibility and, and that kind of freedom has come from, you know, them in that way. Um, but, but I, I would say that, um, you know, I, I've been very, very lucky to have had, to be, have been in a position to take a few leaps of faith, um, like becoming a freelance photographer, which I could not have done without my parents helping me, you know, get through college and things like that. Um, I could not have, taking the leap of faith to quit being a freelance photographer and really lean into Texas humor. Had I not had the support and mentorship of, of the you know people that I knew at the time, like Adam and Marty Butler and, you know, yeah, all, all of these, yeah. you, know, uh, you know, all of those people, you know, at some, in some capacity um, gave me that tether to something predictable um, whether it was, you know, the, 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 the uh, you know, luxury of, of the expertise or whatever it was having that was incredible. And so, um, I am just incredibly thankful to be on this journey and to have landed where I have, um, have gotten to work with some really, really great people at our company. Um, you know, Texas humor has, has really opened the door for me to meet a lot of really great people like yourselves and, and others who've reached out. And so, yeah, I, I just go back to, you know, every day and kind of pitch yourself and just go, man, like if, if I had half the success, I'd, I'd be falling out of my seat, you know? So I'm, I'm just, uh, really a pretty lucky guy to, to have seen and, and had those opportunities afforded to me. I just want to point out how kind you are really quick because yeah. you said I've been able to meet really cool people like ourselves and I'm fully aware that you've done a podcast with Matthew McConaughey in yeah. your lifetime. <laughs> like you jumped, jumped a bridge there. I, I, I said nice, not cool, right? So uh, just, yeah. you know, yeah. Right. He, was, he was cool and nice, you know, so I'll, uh, I, I, you know, I, you, you, guys, you, guys are, you guys are cool too, but he had a different way. Yeah, hey, we, we're not, we are aware. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was it like? I'm jumping way ahead, but yeah. I follow you on Instagram. It's a great follow. Uh, everyone should. Um, and I remember you posting a story where you were on a Zoom call like this with Matthew McConaughey, and he was just talking mm-hmm. about how he makes a steak. Yeah. And it's one of the coolest videos I've ever seen because even the yeah. way he describes making his own steak, uh-huh. what was it like to talk to Matthew McConaughey? <laughs> you know, like I, I love any time a celebrity. tells you uh he didn't say this but just anytime a celebrity tells you like you know i put my pants on the same way everybody else does one leg at a time you know whatever like he was like that you know and and 
and, and the thing that, that I, you know, so I, I've, I've gotten to, to work for some pretty cool people and, and do and work with some pretty cool people, and, you know, uh, you know, Casey, Mus- I didn't work for Casey, but like we, we got to meet Casey Musgraves through oh, the podcast or through, yeah. through Texas humor a few years ago. And so I, she was coming into town. So I DM'd her. I was like, Hey, can my wife and I meet you while you're here? And she's like, sure. Like here's time place, you know, whatever. And she's a regular ass human being. Like there's nothing, you know, there is, there is an incredible talent that she has been able to put out there uh, that makes her stand out in the crowd. Right. It's why she has the status she does. God bless her for it. You know, but we walked up to her and, and she was just as normal as can be. I mean, she, it was awesome. Like, you know, uh, we were there, uh, she was doing like a VIP meet and greet and we were at the back of the line mm-hmm. and everybody else finished. And then they were like, Hey, here's JB and Priscilla. And she's like, close the door. And she's like, ah. you know, and like, <laughs> she kind of tr- turned it off. Right. Yeah, and like, she's having a conversation with us and it was awesome. You know, yeah. the, the thing about McConaughey is like, you think that he's putting on a show, but oh. he's not, no, he's not it. like, Every person that I know who's ever worked with him or talked to him said, that's just how he is. Yeah. He's just wired that way. You know what's crazy? And, you know, we, know, we know Rooster because he lives yeah. in Midland and we've oh, met cool. him a few times. The same guy. Same person. It's yeah. not yeah. like Matthew's like this random alien in his family. Like Rooster like, is the exact same dude. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, you get, like I, I do a lot of public speaking, right? And, and, um, you get these turns of phrases, you get these stories that you tell, you tell them enough times, they roll up your tongue and you get 30 years into doing that and getting praised for it regularly, like McConaughey does. And you start to sound like McConaughey, right. Or his brother for that matter. Right. So, so I just, look, he was, he was as kind as can be. Uh, I told him what I did and he was like, Oh yeah, I know about it. You know, he knew about Texas humor. He was super psyched. He was like, Hey, proud of you guys love what y'all are doing. You know, I just think like, these folks are are the same as us they like to be seen and heard and uh i I was lucky to be seen and heard by him for you know 30 minutes um and and it was super cool you know and then i got the phone and i was like that was fucking hilarious you know (laughs) know? so uh yeah so i just i i i I get that question a lot and and and, uh, about him and a few other people and i was like man they if if you didn't know who they were you wouldn't think twice you would just go like this is a pretty cool dude you know so you know he's he's totally like that he's just super cool yeah. uh, I, and i highly recommend reading green lights if you if you haven't read, okay. uh, read, read it okay. that book is his book is incredible yeah so i love i love listening to it especially because you get that's the- how i did it yeah you, you get the double yeah yeah mm-hmm. i, I couldn't uh, listen to it because if i'm driving listening to it i keep thinking of the lincoln commercials and so yeah. <laughs> Um, I do want to ask what what's been your proudest Texas humor moment? Whether it's like a tweet you remember or a re- like what has been like your proudest like that was excellence. Um, you know, I actually think that when uh, so when when everything happened with COVID two years ago, mm-hmm. um, everything was shutting down we were still operating our warehouse because we, you know, we did shipping for a living. And so um, we were still doing that. And I, you know, I, I had this idea for an email. It was just a super basic email. Um, it was all text and it, there was no images or anything in it. And I just grabbed like 10 of the most positive things that I found on the internet, you know, like, um, HEB actually hired us. This was like happening around the same time, but HEB hired us to help. Uh, they, they had a hashtag Texans helping Texans that they helped, yeah. They hired us to help announce. And um, so they were like, well, you guys make some coloring books and activities for kids that, that are stuck at home and stuff like that. And we were like, oh yeah, let's. So the Texas Humor team put together a really great little coloring book that you could print out on your printer at home. If you didn't have a printer, we, we got one made and then we could send it to you and you could buy it for like three awesome. bucks, or whatever. So we did much stuff like that, but like the email itself, um, I was sending the email using a really large scale, like email marketing platform. We were emailing like 50,000 people, but the way that I wrote the email, um, it looked like I typed it out on my phone and it actually said like sent from my iPhone. Um, I was sending it from a laptop, but it said sent from my iPhone. And, and then I sent it from my personal Texas humor email. 
And the number of like actual replies that I got back of people wanting to know how I was doing, how we were doing, how they could help. Mm-hmm. It just, it was so fun to, to, to have a little bit of a, you know, um, like talk, sh- like radio talk show host moment where you're like playing this, the, the smooth jams at 11 o'clock at night and people yeah. call you in and tell you about the breakup they're going through, whatever. It was a lot of that type of stuff. Yeah. And, um, you know, and so, I mean, so people were so lonely, you know, and even when they were there with their own family, it was just, it was a lonely time. And so, you know, I think when, when I, when I think about like why Texas humor should exist, it's there to, to be the, the voice in everyone's head for the yeah. folks that live in Texas. And so, and, and to feel and empathize with what everybody else is going through. And I feel like that was the moment that our team really nailed it, you know? And so twice a week for a few weeks, we, we made those emails. I would just say, Hey, everybody go out to the internet, find the best, most uplifting, cool TikTok video, this, that, whatever it is. And we're just going to 10 links, yeah. you know, check out this dog doing whatever and blah, 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 blah. And that, that just, I mean, it still kind of lives on. We still do a version of it. Um, and, and, and even now uh, with, with my new role at cart.com, um, we're doing something like that, you know, internally. Um, so I just, I, I liked that kind of content and I loved the connections we had with people. And so, yeah, I, that, that's probably my proudest for sure. Awesome. What's a kind of a pivot? What's like just the funniest thing you think Texas Humor has done? Like what's a, mm. a tweet you remember or a ply you remember? Like that was just comedy gold. Um, I actually, I, this past Monday, I, I, you know, this one sticks out just because it's so recent, but um, we were just goofing off at the office uh, a couple weeks back and Sydney, uh, our manager on the team, she was like, hey, you know, this, you know, in two weeks will be two, 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 Tuesday. Um, we should do something for that. Right. And like, what do you want to do? 22% off or, you know, whatever. And I was like, I was like, you know what we should do? We should just price everything at $22, including stuff that's typically cheaper. And, uh, and so we did. We, and we like, you know, they, they wrote like an email blaming it like on the intern or something like that. And, and uh, But anyway, it, it was like a, a super successful sale. It was super funny. Like, I mean, there were actually people that knew they were paying more for stuff, but they did it, you know. And uh, so anyway, I, that was one of the more kind of like goofy things that, that we've done that I think was, was pretty cool. Yeah. So cool. What, uh, we don't want to take too much more of your yeah. time. I have a couple of more rapid fire questions. Yeah. Let you go and do your, your big boy job. That's probably way more. Yeah. Um, who is like your Mount Rushmore of Texans? Hmm. How many people do I get? Uh, you was get it four or five. Yeah, we'll go four. There's four. We'll go four. Um, like you're at Paladero Canyon. You get to chip the faces in. Who's going in? I would put probably um, I'd put Sarah DeWitt. I'd put um, Sam Houston. Uh, I put George Strait, and I'd probably put um, hmm, who's the last person? Oh, I put Earl Campbell actually. I like it. Yeah, I put Earl Campbell. Yeah, so that's kind of runs the gamut. Yeah, we need to commission that very soon. Yeah, the the Tyler Rose. Yeah. And then uh, what's the winning chili recipe? I know that you're a chili nut. No beans for sure, but what's like the winning recipe for you? Uh, it's, if, I'll read it to you. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, I, well, mostly because I, I don't think I could recite it from memory. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I have it right here though. Um, okay, so my, my recipe calls for um, two pounds of ground beef, uh, 80, two to three, uh, yeah, 80, 20, uh-huh. um, you cook it down and get all the grease out though. Yeah. And then, um, and, and you strain it and you just set it aside, just get it, you know, uh, nice and gray and, uh, brown it. Um, uh, two to three serrano peppers, um, uh, by two, uh, big 16 ounce, uh, boxes of, of, uh, one of beef broth and one of chicken broth, and then an eight ounce can of, of uh, tomato sauce with a little uh-huh. just can. And so, um, 
so my deal is is to I like to kind of mix all the, the spices beforehand. Um, so you have these kind of like two little spice dumps. Um, the first one is uh, basically like the beef and chicken bouillon. So a couple of those, um, about a tablespoon and a half or so of onion powder, some cayenne powder, garlic, and and, uh, and then three big uh, keeping helpings of chili powder. And I, I normally like to use a couple different brands whenever I'm doing that. And then the second batch is, is very similar. There's some uh, cumin, uh, some white pepper, uh, a little bit of Tabasco sauce, and then uh, another kind of big batch of, of chili powder, um, and then also a tablespoon of, of uh, chipotle chili powder. And so, um, typically, I'll, I'll brown the beef, and then I'll, uh, you know, once it's it's all ready to go, uh, you basically take the beef broth and the, and the uh, tomato sauce and, and some of the chicken broth, and you dump that in, and then uh, you let it kind of cook down, and you toss in a couple of those serrano peppers, but you poke holes in them first. Um, and then you toss those in. So they just kind of stew, you do that for about, um, you know, four or five minutes till it starts to boil. Um, and then you toss in the, uh, the spices, get those going for a couple minutes. And then once that first batch gets uh, kind of heated up again, then you'll toss in the meat and let it cook for about 30 minutes. Gotcha. And then, uh, once that gets going, um, then, uh, you add in the second batch of spices, let those cook for about another, uh, 10 to 20 minutes. Um, and probably about 40 to 60 minutes in, um, you pull it off the heat, take the serrano peppers out, but you squeeze them. So all the juice gets in and then, um, yeah, bon appetit. So it's a, a little bit more detailed. A lot of people just toss a ton of shit in there. Yeah. Um, but I, there's a process. Ian, you just yeah. big can of kidney beans on top, right? Yeah. 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 No, that, uh, that'll get you a first class ticket out of here. So okay. it, uh, yeah, no. And, and well, you know, and like, I, I, I eat it that way. Sometimes people will serve it to me. I'm like, whatever, that's fine. But you know, I actually really like, I'll toss like onions in there afterwards. I'll toss, um, you know, I'll, I'll do the raw, the raw onions, a little bit of uh, sharp cheddar, yeah. uh, maybe some sour cream if I got it a little too spicy, but, um, but yeah, I, I, I like to mix it up a little bit. Give your wife a big kiss after you know yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Two more questions. You got the last one. Okay. Uh, just really quick. I mean, you've grown Texas humor into this huge thing, this big media company. You've gotten to do some cool things. What is advice that you have for two random guys, you know, trying to make it in this kind of same world? Just share, share our idea of like what Texas is and who Texans are. You know, I, I, my stance has always been that um, Texas is what you make it, right? It's really a, uh, you get out of it what you put in. And, um, so I think that if the goal is to have the biggest audience ever, um, spending more time listening will certainly help, right? That's kind of how I landed on the type of content that we, we publish was just trying stuff out, listening, trying stuff out, listening, and then realizing, like, oh, it's this thing that's working and going there. Um, if you're just really proud of something just fucking go for it. I mean, you know, why not? Like, yeah. I, I think, uh, again, I, you know, I had a business model and kind of an objective with what I was trying to produce. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, were, it was, like I said, you know, mercenary in nature. Um, but as it relates to, you know, sharing what you love, uh, 95% of what I love are the stories that I tell people one-to-one. Yeah. Um, you know, I get a lot of joy out of what I get to do with Texas humor, but frankly, my content team does most of it now, you know, um, I kind of built a, a platform with which they get to tell the stories. Now they get to do a lot more of that. And so, um, people bring me on to stuff because I think that they can feel the passion that I have for telling other people's stories. Mm-hmm. And so if, if you want to do that, at scale or a lot or whatever, just be passionate about something and tell other people about it, you know? Um, and if you want to like grow that and you want to improve it, listen to the feedback, you know, uh, what do people like? What do they not like? Um, don't ask your mom for feedback. Cause I've, I mean, I've done, a, I've actually done a talk on this a couple of times that like <laughs> your, your mom is your worst critic because like, if you, if the only people you're ever telling about telling, you know, like your, your work, uh, talking about your work too, are your family members and close friends, you're never going to get good feedback. Yeah, right? yeah. So um, you got to, because they're there to build you up all the yeah. time. It's great. Yeah. Um, but sometimes you got to go elsewhere for it, you know? So just, 
you know, listening to feedback and being passionate about what you do is, you know, that's, that's just been my recipe. So. Heck yeah. Well, we'll expect an email with your feedback. The last question to be, as always is what does it mean to you to be a Texan? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I think for me, I was asked something similar um, last week and my, my stance is that uh, Texas is, is, you know, is an incredible book if you read it front to back and, you know, a really great story leaves you wanting more. You know, when, when my wife grew up, she read all the Harry Potter books and she would, you know, they'd go pick up the books at midnight and she'd read them all night and all that kind of stuff. Right. And she went her whole life, like waiting for the next book, waiting for the next book until they ran out. And then she went back and she revisited the other ones, you know, and she listens to them. She re reads them. She can't wait for our daughter to be old enough to like tell them or have her read them and, and all that and so on and so forth. And I think about Texas in that way, but the difference um, you know, there's something really incredible about Texas that attracts people to it. Um, it, it makes people want to tell the stories about it. Uh, but for me, I don't think that I have a responsibility to just be a storyteller. Um, I, I have a responsibility to also be an author um, and to make sure the next chapter is really, really good and uh, equally matches or improves on the chapter before. Um, I think that there's a tendency really everywhere. Um, it's just kind of human nature to, to kind of like lean on resting on your laurels a little bit and saying, well, if we did this, you know, it's like, you can't, you'll hear that joke all the time. Like, Oh man, you know, the French saved their ass in world war two. It's like, bro, that was a hundred years ago. Like, are you seriously talking about world war two right now? Like, come yeah. on, you know, um, like what, what have you done for anybody lately? Right. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, my responsibility and, and what it means to be Texan for me is to recognize that I, I get, I'm super lucky to be a part of an incredible story. Um, but I have a responsibility to be a good steward of that story, both in the way that I tell it and what I contribute to it. And so um, that's kind of what I aspire to every day with what we do with Texas humor. It's what I aspire to and, you know, my personal work um, and things like that. And, um, you know, that's, that's what it means to me. So. You love it, man. That was a wonderful yeah. Being a Texan, storyteller, and a story maker, JB. We haven't gotten to say this to any other guests. We would not be able to do what we're doing without you. So thank you for everything that you've done indirectly for us, pushing us forward with what we're doing. Keep it up. Uh, you got a meeting you got to get to, so we're going to let you go. But seriously, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate you so much. Thank you. So yeah, much. no problem. Thanks, boys. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. dude. Bye. Thanks, Beers on yeah. us. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. We'll get them soon. Thanks,